Welcome back, Bills fans, fans of the game, fans of football. It's Blue Mafia with Jeremy Mountain here, shooting live in the Elmwood Village home studio. Beautiful day here in Buffalo. We got a little bit of a follow-up. It's preseason reflections. We're going to give you five things that we've been looking at all preseason long and break it down in reflection. We're going to talk the running backs and receivers and how development, special teams, depth, impacts who will probably make the team, but three guys that really impressed. And then we're going to make the case why the Bills made the right decision to just get rid of the gang rapist punter. And we're also going to do a little bit on what we still have yet to see from the Bills defense, but things to look forward to on the defense superstars and also we're going to talk a little bit about the o-line and why the attitude and the intention and the body language of that group was really impressive in preseason and then we got three guys that impressed new faces that impressed we'll wrap that up and we'll do a couple quick shout outs to some guys that hopefully make the practice squad but because of a 53 man limit probably won't make the team but hopefully they stick around on ps and in the part two as you know we do around town in part one here on blue mafia part two we go around the nfl so because preseason's ending we still got next week so we'll still get time to preview the rams game and give you the top five quarterback matchups but I'm going to give you my top five teams in the AFC, NFC after what I've seen in the preseason. Haven't seen everything, but we have a pretty good idea of the culture, the values, the good things about the top five teams that we're forecasting around the NFL. AFC, NFC, top five. I'll give you my picks. Stick around. It's Blue Mobile. So I did pay attention to the third uh, preseason game and I did that because there was a few guys that I was a little bit worried about, you know, I was talking to a couple of buddies and I was starting to wonder who's this Bill's front office, who is it that is going to be a check cut you know we've watched a lot of preseason bad teams here in buffalo and you sort of wonder who is it that's gonna not make this team because everybody was a little bit impressive every position group was a little bit impressive uh but obviously two big groups with a new offensive coordinator at the helm running backs and wide receivers now the running backs room is pretty solid and you know every year Bills fans fall in love with a couple of guys that show out in preseason but the running backs room with Singletary Moss and newcomer James Cook that's that's strong uh James Cook however Watching him in the most recent preseason game, maybe he'll be able to kick it up a couple levels of intensity, but it did sort of dawn on me that 
He runs a little bit upright, and it's going to take about one or two big hits for him to realize how to protect himself. I just hope that he learns the easy way and not the hard way. Uh, but he is special, and he is going to be an explosive player. Hopefully he continues to battle when times get tough and when it gets cold here in Buffalo. We have a lot of cold weather games on the schedule late in the year. Um, so depth is going to be a challenge. And that's why those three running backs are great. But rarely do you see an NFL team keep five true running backs. And we have some decisions to make because Duke Williams, I'm sorry, Duke Johnson, falling in love with another Duke, truly impressed me in this last game and all all preseason. And when we picked him up, I had high hopes for him, but I thought that his duty and his fight and his grit showed all preseason, his hunger. He wants to be a part of this organization and that showed and shout out him not wearing gloves in the third preseason game gives me reason enough to keep him around but you have to think that his special teams ability helps his case because Blackshear stole the heart of Bill's Mafia with incredible incredible toughness and running and hunger and I would love to see both of those guys make this team um, Blackshear and Duke, but one of them probably won't make the final 53, I would think. But I'm hoping that perhaps they do keep five. Um, we might not need four tight ends because Knox, Howard, Sweeney could be enough. Um, you know, you still have the fullback. So who knows? They've been talking about using the fullback more as a tight end, but wanting to make sure that he's comfortable. But do both those guys stick around in Buffalo, Blackshear and Duke? Because you have to think one of the running backs is going to get hurt, if not two of the running backs. So then do you have Blackshear there as a young, hungry back? I like him. Either way, they both fit the the new style and the you know vintage Buffalo Bill running back because Duke does remind me a little bit of Freddie. I have to think though that Isaiah Hodgins proved that he's worth a roster spot. And despite Kumaro being a fan favorite and having great Teen Wolf hair and beard, I think Kumaro may have earned himself a spot on the practice squad by just not doing as much as Isaiah Hodgins and Hodgins was a guy that I looked forward to seeing alongside Gabe Davis in the developmental process, but we just haven't seen a lot of him because of injury, but it goes to show you how well this organization develops the, the depth and gives guys opportunities to stick around and get their opportunity. And Hodgins did the most out of it out of anyone maybe in the receiving room. Um, Crowder probably didn't need to do much to stick around. He's taking up a spot, and Isaiah is taking up a spot. So that room gets a little bit short, and Hodgins being somewhat of a 
good positional continuity with Gabe Davis if for some reason Gabe Davis gets hurt. I'd like Hodgins to be able to get in there and fill that role. So I could see Hodgins making the team and Kumaro on the practice squad. And then third, you know, one that we talked about a little bit here, but Balin Spector has to make this team. I don't know if he's going to only make practice squad. It's possible. Um, But that guy, you have to keep him around in the locker room because the way that he plays and his football hunger, just old-fashioned football nature, you have to keep him around. And it makes me wonder how a guy like Matikevich, good guy, good player, um, another one, obviously, that the Bills have left around and kept around and serves a purpose. But you have to think that Spectre falls into that next tier of developmental prospects where if Matikevich doesn't do what he needs to do, a guy like Spectre can kind of gadget in any of those linebacker positions, in my opinion. Um, not great yet at pass coverage, but still just a guy in practice that you need around. Um, before we move on, uh, you know, a couple guys that probably won't make it in that receiver room. Gentry just didn't do enough. He just unfortunately doesn't look like an NFL caliber receiver, uh, but maybe practice squad. And then the, the Pau kid from man from BYU good player he, he should get picked up somewhere Marquez Stevenson tough break with the injury but just crowded room and Quentin Morris I just don't know if he did enough to earn a spot but once again maybe practice squad because Sweeney I think is is good enough and with Gilliam I do think that we won't need Morris but Again, better to have too many guys than not enough. And, you know, quickly on that, on that, we'll sort of flip over. Don't want to get too deep into the disgusting nature of the details of the gang rapist punter. But I felt that the Bills did the right thing, as they usually do, uh, by quickly eradicating him from the program um just disgusting don't want him around don't even want to waste too much energy letting him affect any more of this team city organization uh as soon as it happened and read the article and once again i don't think it's worth giving him any more attention than the victim you know it's it's definitely a a bad stain on football players and it's a bad stain on big time college football. It's a bad stain on society. It's a bad stain. It's a bad look on men, uh, generally speaking. And ideally that kid, Ariza, maybe he can turn it around and become a good person for victims. Um, there is a chance that the kid can make something for himself, turn this into something good, but that's not Buffalo's responsibility and it's not the Bills' responsibility and he's got some work to do on his own and I thought that it was 
somewhat uh, classy or, you know, diligent of McBean to put that in terms of he has some work to do. And regardless of what does happen, it's not their it's not their responsibility. It's a it's a stain and it's disgusting. But once again, as soon as it happened, I read it and I just thought, how do you look this motherfucker in the eye in the locker room tonight? Because they probably had meetings or practice. And how do you even look at that guy? So good riddance, prayers to the victim and, and, and victims of that. Because it's truly, truly one of the more underrepresented ills of our society is sexual assault. So unfortunate, unfortunate um, all all around for everyone. But ultimately, hopefully, good things can happen from that. And good on the bills for making a quick decision to get rid of him. And I'm not going to get into the details of what happened with them and what they knew or what they didn't know. I think everybody here in Buffalo knows that Bean and McDermott are not uh, exactly the most deceptive individuals. And I have a feeling that they did not have all of those details. So good on them for getting rid of him. And then we're going to flip it. To a positive note, Jake Shum, local kid, played with him in the All-Star game, Kensington Lions Club game, played with him at Buff State. He would then transfer to UB. He would then become a NFL punter, punt for the Packers, hold a game-winning field goal in the playoffs for the Packers against the Cowboys. Local guy. I've never seen someone work harder than Jake Shum at his craft in any sport, me personally, I've never seen anybody. I mean, maybe other people that have worked as hard as him, but I've never seen anybody work harder than Jake Shum. And what a great PR story that would be for Buffalo to see a local product replace that uh, demonic story with a with an angel like Jake Shum. So that being said, we're gonna take a quick quick break. And then we'll be right back with what we still have to look forward to on the Bills defense and good things on the O-line and three new faces that are be that will be sure to be bright stars on this team. Quick break. Be right back. feels like this season has been going on for months already with how much the city has always been invested, how much drama in the last few days. We have still yet to see how great this Buffalo Bills team is and can will be. (laughs) Von Miller, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Greg Rousseau, Ed Oliver. Those guys haven't really played too much. 
And there are still question marks. There are still question marks about how good this defense is going to be, how good this team is going to be, how good can they be. We have Leslie Frazier back. We did not lose Brian Dable on the defensive side, so this defense should still be incredible, even deeper on the defensive line. Any questions about the defensive line depth, linebacker depth, or safety corner depth have been, once again, answered by King Brandon Bean. And despite the fact that we haven't seen Hyde and Poyer, we've seen Johnson and Hamlin. And Hamlin grew over the course of this preseason to me. I watched him grow a little bit. He became more aggressive. He became more comfortable with more reps. And we we heard that. We heard that the safeties would get more reps and how impact, impactful that would be. Sort of interesting. Teron Johnson, Saran Neal, both of those guys did not really play too much. Does that mean that they are sort of already crowned as upper tier level players similar to Hyde Poyer and some of these other guys that means the Bills really like what they see with those guys um, which is good because we haven't seen a lot and I'm sure some people went out to some practices and saw some camp practice but that's not regular season football I'm excited to watch the defense as much as I do love quarterbacking and and throwing the pill around the field I'm really looking forward to seeing this defense, especially after seeing some of the new guys uh, like Spectre. But Spectre probably won't play that much. Um, but in the final section here, we'll get to you know the three guys that will probably play quite a bit that I'm excited to see the impact they have on the locker room. But we have yet to see how good this defense is going to be. And I feel even better about the defense having seen Johnson and Hamlin and what they've been able to do and the continuity i think one big big thing that the bills have been able to prove is what depth comes from continuity positional continuity what do you want out of that position because if you're getting it you can get it out of that position that starting position but what happens when that guy goes down do you have someone that's going to fill in that position and play it and work that position in the bigger system the bigger mothership of the program are they going to hold that position the way that the guy that went down held that position and we've heard next man up for years but i think that this new movement and sort of what alabama and some of the college powerhouses have been able to do is have what they need out of that position on a system level and fill that guy with multiple guys behind that guy that are going to do it the way that same guy can do it and Hamlin and Johnson proved that they have learned in this developmental mothership system that there's a way to play the position in the system and it doesn't matter if you're a blue chipper if you can play it the way we play it you can play it for us and that's just really cool I think that's really cool and to sort of transition the O-line, you didn't hear me say a lot of names because to me, names don't matter with an O-line. You can have names on an O-line, but what really matters to me with an offensive line is the attitude, the confidence, the continuity, and the intensity, along with identity. All those things sort of create identity with an offensive line, and you can have big names. You can pay 
big names. But what happens like when we see the guy like uh, the Cowboys defend or left tackle? He immediately you lose one of those big names and your underpaid rest of your line is then shitty. And then those guys feel shitty. Well, Cromer, Aaron Cromer, has got this offensive line with an identity that is confident. They certainly have the right look, the right feel. The attitude seems confident. The attitude seems boastful. The attitude seems to follow the swagger of the quarterback. And to see Cody Ford leave this team, it means that this staff is confident in the attitude of this offensive line and I thought that everything when it really mattered with the top you know eight to ten offensive linemen in the preseason I thought the run game looked really good it was interesting we're going to be continuing to watch how Dorsey manipulates this offense but to hear everyone saying how crazy Ken Dorsey is makes me think that this run game is actually going to have some balls behind it this year. And that's exciting to me. Um, I think that Cromer and the rest of the offensive staff has got this offensive line with the right attitude. And the fact that Ford is gone means that some of these new guys, Spencer Brown, Queensberry, um, Tommy Doyle, um, obviously Dawkins, and then the figurehead, the Viking Mitch Morris, you know, they have an identity. And that is important because, as you know, here at Blue Mafia, we are really looking at protecting 17 this year. That's operations. Management needs to be responsible for protecting 17. We don't have a fun guy to go in and protect him that way. Um, Case Keenum, eh. Don't really want to have to have him play, but he can go in and slow a game down, which is an interesting factor. Maybe that's why they brought him in, is to be able to slow a game down and choke someone out at the end and bore them to death after a big 55-point first three quarters. So lastly, the fifth thing here, uh, and then we'll kick it over to the uh, AFC-NFC top five Blue Mafia preseason pick. Um, three guys, three guys that truly, truly impressed me, truly, truly made me excited to watch their ascent and development in the Bills program. You've heard me talk about him, Khalil Shakir, but I want to give you a couple things that specifically make me feel why he's going to impact the team. Because once again, he seems like another guy that when the chips are down, he's someone who looks fun to play with. He looks like someone in his eyes and his body language that when you're in the foxhole, he looks like someone that's you look over at and they're having a good time. He looks like a football player. People were comparing him a little bit to uh, Robert Woods. I've got more of like a Josh Reed get him one eye black strip but he's cold he's a baller he's a mudder as my father would say guy that when it gets muddy in the mud and the blood and the guts he's not going to get soft he's going to only play better he can run when it's crappy i think that he's going to be good when it's crappy outside crappy weather 
because he's a true football player. And I just think he's someone that, once again, Brandon Bean finds these guys that when the chips are down, they have that wild eye. And another guy, Kair Elam, had a little bit of a debate this week with the main minute man, Jay Main, who was looking at the quotes recently of Leslie Frazier speaking on how, you know, Elam had not been as experienced as Dane Jackson. And to me, I always felt Jackson was always going to be slotted above the two rookie corners because he is more experienced. But uh, Jay Main felt that that meant that Elam had already disappointed being a high draft pick day one starter. But to me, Jay Main is looking at it the wrong way because Jeff was sort of pointing out how Elam is a big time man to man defender and he's going to have to learn zone. And to me, it's like, no, 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 With a guy like Elam, you can do new things. He provides a new asset to said system. When you put Trey White on an island, you can put this Elam guy on an island, which can take a break for Trey White sometimes. He doesn't need that much assistance. You're going to be able to eventually put him on a number one receiver. He's going to be able to evolve. He's sticky. He's got long arms. I love his demeanor. He is a fighter, but he's not a nutcase. When we saw Baker Mayfield give him a little shot on the sideline in the third preseason game, he didn't lose his cool. He didn't go crazy, but he also didn't say it was okay. He just gave him a, "Eh, no, I'll remember that. I'll remember that. And I will remember that, Kyrie Elam. And I will have those Elam Island shirts ready. And then, obviously, Bernard. Terrell Bernard out of Baylor. um, Big splash play in the first game. Didn't want to get too excited here at Blue Mafia. Didn't want to just jump on the Bernard bandwagon. Second game, I didn't follow as closely because it was weird, typical scrimmage. But the way that Terrell Bernard was bringing the heat, the way that he was bringing those psycho hits in a preseason finale, want him around. I want that guy around. I want to. I want Tremaine Edmonds to see how this guy hits. That's how you fill a fucking hole. Want to see Tremaine Edmonds develop the ability to bring the hips and hit like Terrell Bernard was hitting. We've been missing that from this defense for years. And Terrell Bernard, I think he develops into a big, big time player in this NFL football game. Couple quick shout outs. Uh, guys that may not make the final roster on this defense just because of not enough guys, but uh, Brandon Bryant. Great preseason. Really, really impressed me. Uh, Eli Anku, Prince Emili, Andre Smith, who would probably make this team if he wasn't uh, suspended, but I think he'll probably go practice squad, want him around. Another guy, we want him around. Mike Love, great preseason. Cagey, fighty. And then um, Jonathan, another guy that hopefully they keep around in preseason. But seriously, uh, I think that Shakir, Elam, and Bernard are all guys that impact this team immediately because I think that they're going to lift the aged 
veterans, I think they're going to play well off each other. The veterans will help lift the youth, but the youth will also help lift the aged wonders that we have in this locker room. I appreciate y'all listening. As you know, it's been a weird, weird preseason in the last couple of years or the last couple of days, but ultimately the trash will be taken out. This Bills team will not waver on to the next play. So thanks for listening. Stick around if you want. I got your top five AFC and NFC teams from my noggin coming up right now. All right, we're going hurry up here for part two. We had a big reflection. Reflections of the preseason. We're going to keep it nice and light here. We're going hurry up. Two-minute drill. The AFC and NFC top five teams heading into the regular season. Next week, we'll do top five quarterback matchups around the NFL. We're going to break down every quarterback matchup that we feel is valuable and why and what makes them interesting and how they're going to have playoff implications down the road. But as we have around 10 or 11 days left before the NFL kicks off, got a fancy draft at Phil's house. Shout out Olive Garden League on Tuesday. But, um, you know, we got some time here left, so we'll do another show next week. Um, We'll get it out at least by Saturday afternoon, always. And hopefully we might get them out a little bit earlier but i'll also be doing some blogging we'll be get back into the writing so i'll have some articles we'll probably do some preview articles and we'll at least have one episode a week between probably thursday and saturday afternoon for your preview and what to keep your eyes peeled on the field for so we'll do the nfc first coming in at number one I got the Rams. They are still the champs. I think that the receiving core is still strong. Allen Robinson is going to have a lot of catches. And as long as Stafford is playing, the Rams are going to be one of the top probably three teams in the NFL. Uh, But I got them at number one. Number two, I've got Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Uh, two running backs, despite the fact that they've lost Devonta Adams. I think that Rodgers is at another level of sensei quarterbacking that he can really pull the best out of guys around him. He's almost reached player coach level. You hear the way people talk about him. I don't need to tell you about Aaron Rodgers, but I do think with the two running backs, LeFleur called them 1A and 1A. Not a real strong conference. Packers, I got second in the NFC. Number three, I've got the possibly getting divorced Tom Brady-led Buccaneers. Is Tom Brady getting divorced because he came back to play for the Buccaneers? He's in too deep now to turn back, so he's going to fight for everything, and he's got a new terrible hairstyle. So whenever you see Tom Brady with a new terrible hairstyle, he might be getting a new ring. Number four, I've got the 49ers, and not because of Trey Lance. 
I think that Trey Lance will have a similar year to like Justin Fields, but the difference is, is Trey Lance plays for the 49ers and that franchise under Shani is special and they have enough around Lance to succeed. And if it's a total, total meltdown, well, guess what? Shanahan knows it's like, all right, there you go. Now go sit down and get the old timer back in. Cause Shanahan likes playing with a boring quarterback. He doesn't like playing with his hot shot. He likes playing old fashioned football. And that's why I think the 49ers are still the fourth best team. And then number five, I've got a tie because I had to sort of include an NFC East team, but I got the Panthers. Surprise. I did like what I saw out of Baker Mayfield, even though it was preseason versus the Bills yesterday. Baker has a specific style, and if people buy into it, he's got something figured out up here. He knows how to win football games, and that's why I've got him as the fifth best team. Now Darnold being hurt, it's fully Baker's show. There's no questions. I'm looking forward to watching the Panthers as a sort of dark horse, dirty team to watch. And once again, the NFC is not the strongest, not the deepest, um, but also the Cowboys. I still think they're pretty good. They lost their big bad linemen, but I still think that Dak and their core is always going to be impressive. It's almost like they hurt themselves more than anybody else hurts them. Um, but we'll put them up there. And then a couple special ones that I think could shine, but with injuries and weirdness could falter and go like 500, 9, and 8. And that's Vikings, Eagles, Cardinals. Um, Kirk Cousins, they might do some special things this year. Um, they got... I can't remember who it is, but uh, O'Connell. I can't remember his name, but a dude from the Rams that helped get Cooper Cup all those touches is now in Minnesota and should help that offense. They have always been good under a dome, and people want to talk about how Kirk Cousins doesn't do well when it matters, but he doesn't do well in weather. Think about it. And then another guy that won't do well in weather is Little Hands Kyler. Um, he's going to do fine when he's in a big, big uh, Madden living room. But as soon as he takes a couple hits, gets his body tossed around and gets some mud in his visor, that's when Kyler starts deciding to play baseball again. And then Philly, they're just so hot and cold. I think that depending on Jalen Hurts' evolution, if he can put some more cards in his deck strategically and intellectually as far as football IQ, I think that the Eagles, you heard me last week, I think they can be a really, really big surprise this year. But until I see it, I can't put them in the top five. So we'll do this you know, a couple times throughout the year. I'll give you a couple updates on my top five. Everyone loves top five. AFC, quickly, two-minute drill. Bills, number one. I can't I can't seem to find the hole for Buffalo, which is why the gang rapist punter story is so like a shot in the gut was because the team did such an incredible job of 
filling any possible negative once again being filled the holes and made this team stacked depth continuity culture quarterback the bills are the best team on paper in the afc second i have the chiefs people not high on the chiefs it's still the chiefs it's still andy reed it's still patty get over it juju smith schuster and sky Moore alone will pick up if not improve on the performance of tyree kill and then you have jody fortson shout out sleeper kelsey doesn't get hurt a lot but they're clearly going to try to protect Kelsey a little bit. And Jody Fortson seems like a nice guy to have in fantasy late, late sleeper. But the Chiefs are still going to be good. And they have a great O-line. Number three, I have the Chargers. Um, Brandon Staley, ja, Justin Herbert. My dad's always been super high on Justin Herbert. The only thing I've got against Justin Herbert is his persona. He has definitely come out of his shell since being in college, but I don't know if he's got the killer instinct, the wild eye that Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, all the greats, Brady, Manning, all the greats have a tier of psychosis that is required to be fearless. And I don't know if Herbert's got it or not. Guy that does have it, Definitely Joe Burrow. The ability to be cool, but also be crazy. They're on my, they're on my number four. Bengals, um, they made the Super Bowl last year. They have a tough conference, one of the tougher conferences, um, because my fifth best I've tied between the Ravens and the Steelers. All three of those teams, the Bengals, the Ravens, and the Steelers, are going to be really tough, but they're going to cancel each other out in the way that they play each other. They're going to knock each other out in a way, physically and literally. Um, but Denver, got to have them up there. I just don't know if I see the weaponry on offense yet. Who knows? They could have a nice play-action system and get a real rhythm with with uh, Wilson. But still, until I see it, I just don't know if I've got it all there in Denver yet. And then Oakland, they're going to be good. Josh McDaniels, they're going to be good. But once again, how good? And do they think they're better than they are already? Yes, definitely. And then Tennessee and Indianapolis, eh, both of them could be really good, could be 500, but needed to sort of include someone from the AFC South. Those are just, you know, Denver, Oakland, Tennessee, Indianapolis. Those are just honorable mentions. But those four could all be 500 or be excellent. Um, but they're kind of honorable mention because until I see it, I don't know. Um, Tennessee and Indianapolis, they don't have the firepower from the quarterback position, really, but they do have the firepower from the running back position and defense. And sometimes that can beat the firepower. So there you go. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys have a great week. Next week we'll be back and we'll do, um, you know, five things to watch for as we head into Thursday night top five quarterback matchups around the NFL that already have playoff implications. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great week. Love you.